My Mac Podcast 276, Foxy Proxy Boxy. You're listening to the My Mac Podcast with your hosts, David Cohen and Guy Searle. And welcome everybody to my Mac 276. Um, I'm joined by my normal co-host this week, Guy Sill. Hi, Guy. And once again, normal is a relative term. Well, it is. It is what it is with you, Guy. And yeah, uh, we'll no just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've just been talking about audio gear uh, before we start recording that we're going to be taking along with us to the uh, MacWorld Expo. Yep. Um, looking forward to that. It's going to be oh. interesting. I, I've, having just come back from the States, and I, I went through a real hell of a time with TSA as we were leaving. Well, They're because you obviously look like a uh, terrorist. It wasn't that. It was just they, they were just my bag. I have one bag that I carry with me that had every all the electronics in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and effectively, they could not make head or tail of this in the X-ray. So they, they broke out everything, put it all through the X-ray one at a time. Um, it was like uh, it was like a some sort of, some sort of shopping cart, you know, where everything was yeah. coming down the conveyor belt. Well, I, I had kind of a similar experience in reverse. Um, back in 1985, I went to uh, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, for the job that I had at the time, and one of the tools that we had was was this like portable oscilloscope, and we uh, we're, we're going through customs, and the guy is looking through my bags. You know, even though I was I was working at the American Embassy, I didn't have a diplomatic passport, so it was like, well, you know, <laughs> you're nobody, so I can do whatever I want. And he pulls out this oscope, and he's looking at it, and he's got this puzzled look on his face. He's like, "What is this? What is this?" And I said, "Well, it's an oscilloscope." Oh, what does it do? What does it do? <laughs> I said, well, it measures electronic signals. And, and at that point, I realized I could have told him that all it did was show reruns of the Flintstones, and he, you know, he wouldn't yeah. have known different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, it was uh, it was somewhat embarrassing, and uh, I must admit I'm a bit concerned about taking microphones and uh, stands and that sort of thing through uh, through X-rays and, and on the plane. But we've got to do it because we need to broadcast to our listeners from the, from yeah. the show floor. Well, now, how what what exactly is your route to San Francisco? I'm going um, from Manchester to Paris. And then Paris that's in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's kind of the way the uh, the routing has to work. And then <laughs> then because I the, the best flight best flight I could get was with Air France. So okay. Manchester to Paris, Paris to San Francisco. Um, I'm oh, going to be direct flight. Direct flight, yeah. Wow, so that's I don't, a long I, one. Well, it is, but I, I didn't really want to have to because of the TSA thing. I didn't really want to have to change at a uh, at an American airport. So uh, there are routes you can get which which go from Manchester, say, to Atlanta or to Chicago, and then you can change there. But I didn't really want to do that. I prefer to uh, kind of get Just where I'm going and then go. Get it, get it over with at one time. Exactly. So that's that's the plan. Now, I'm going to be in um, San Francisco a little bit earlier than, yes. the, uh, than the show start. Uh, I'm going to be there from the weekend before. So if anybody does want to meet up, um, drop me an email, davidcohen at mymac.com. Uh, you can buy a dinner. You can well. We can certainly meet up for dinner and have a chat and uh, and everything. I'm hoping to uh, hoping to catch up with Owen Rubin before the show. Um, oh, cool! Which should be good because he's he's a local boy there in San Francisco. And that'd be good. But we'd like to do a, a more formal meet up as well once uh, once you're there and and also once Tim's there as well because he'd like to right. uh, to say hello. So uh, what we're well, proposing. Now- 
Tim and I are gonna are are flying out on Tuesday. He's yeah. coming from Grand Rapids, and I'm actually leaving myself on Saturday. I'm gonna drive to Ohio to visit with some friends of mine, and then I'm gonna fly out of out of Akron uh, through I think Chicago to San Francisco right. on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, so it would have to be sometime Wednesday. Yeah, well, I think Wednesday's a good day. It's the day before the show. So I'd imagine anybody who's coming into town will be in, um, will be looking to arrive sometime on Wednesday, stay overnight right. for the show, start on Thursday morning. So we'll do. I think we'll do something on Wednesday afternoon, um, say 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. That sounds um, good. We'll look to meet up with listeners outside the uh, Moscone West. So that's the corner of How- Howard and 4th Street. Right. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes with a map showing exactly where this is. But yeah, anyone who's been to Macworld before, this yeah. is just on the corner outside the hall where they normally, uh, and when in, in previous years they have the Apple keynote. So it's not right. the main well, show have, hall. Have they said where the keynote's going to be this year? Is it, are they going to have I, that on the main stage at uh, the north? I think from talking to Paul Kent, it's going to be a side room off the main stage. Um, I don't think it's going to be uh, in Moscone West. Okay. Um, well, but, I, I but know I, that, the I know. last couple of shows, last couple of shows I've been talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to be where Apple used to be. Well, no. that's no. Uh, Apple was in Moscone South. Uh, the whole show this year is in Moscone North. I think, actually, the whole the whole thing is subject to some, um, you know, final final decisions, but depending on exactly who's there and, and who's showing up and, and how right. they want to configure things. So I'm sure that uh, IDG will be keeping things fairly fluid, but keeping everyone informed. Um, so... Uh, but but I think I think meeting on on the corner of Mus- uh, outside Moscone West on Howard and Fourth is a good place because that's the only the only if we start talking about outside the hall. Um, it could be one of three or four places, so uh, that's that's a good kind of focal point really, and everyone should be able to find it. So we'll be there from three p.m. Uh, the way we've done this in the past is we kind of hang around for half an hour, forty minutes, let everyone get there, and then as as many people as come, and we've had we've had some fairly good turnouts over the years. Uh, we'll kind of go off and we'll, we'll do something. With we, what we like to do is is kind of go to a quiet corner and and uh, shoot some video and shoot and record some audio and kind of interact a little bit with the listeners, and then we'll go and yeah. and and you know get a drink or something to eat or something like that. A lot, of, a lot of drinks. Yeah, and it's worth it's <laughs> worth saying we've um, you know, several people who you've you've heard on the show in the past and who write for the site are people we've met at MacWorld in that way. Yeah, uh, Mark Rudd, exactly. So um, people like that, we've uh, kind of made fast friends with them and uh, and had them on the show. And so, so if if you are going to be around and you fancy meeting up with us and seeing what we're like in the flesh, then uh, I welcome welcome you along. And uh, as I say, we're hoping that that Tim's going to be able to join us for that as well. So yeah. That'd now, did you know? Did you know there are at least two that, that they, unfortunately I can't quite get them to work that well. There are two apps for the iPhone that are related to MacWorld. No, I've not seen those. Yeah, one is iMacWorld, and the right. other one is called Event Intro. Oh crap! Now I can't. Tell, I'll, I'll tell you what it is in just a second. It's uh, it's Event Intro for something. Event, and here I am unprepared. Yay! Ah, uh, well, you know what? Never mind. Just iMac World is seems to be the better of the two, anyway. Right. Okay. We'll uh, we'll we'll take that as red. <clears throat> so, what 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 exactly does it do? Uh, it gives you you, you can you can basically it, it 
you know, it's, it's got all the exhibitors there. You, you, you hit their name and it'll show you a small map where they're located on the floor or at least, you know, where they were located on the floor whenever the last time that the app was updated. Um, it gives you the conference tracks. Just all, uh, where is it? So all the useful background information you need. That's certainly yeah. having an offline app was, is definitely going to be better than having something online. While the online stuff like the Macworld website, um, is, uh, the Expo website is going to be up to date, the problem is going to be with that many iPhones in oh, such yeah. a small concentration, the AT&T network is going to go down and um, you're not going to be able to rely on getting a, a even a Wi-Fi signal in, in if, if previous uh, previous expos are any indication. So um, that can be kind of frustrating when you're relying on having information online and then you can't get to it via your, uh, your iPhone or your, or your Mac because there's no connectivity. Exactly. So, um, so that having it offline will, will be quite handy. So I'll definitely have to take a look at that uh, and make sure that I've got the latest version of that when we, when we start. So um, that's that's kind of the meet and greet. Um, as I say, we do like to do auditions for writers and uh, potential listener invites and podcasters at the show. I would imagine that you know we can do something kind of similar to American Idol. Guy, you can be Randy. <laughs> yeah. Um, there won't be any. Very unlikely to be any women there, so we won't have anyone standing <laughs> for Cara or Paula. And um, I refuse to wear a dress. Uh, but I, I'm quite happy to take on the role of Simon Cowell being the English guy and sit on the end and whatever you do, basically criticise you and say that it was absolutely awful and the worst right. audition I've ever seen. Make people um, cry. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, we can do something like that. And uh, on the subjects of the listener invites. Um, Obviously, we do those on a regular basis. Um, we're keen to uh, start lining people up for after Macworld now um, to get some new people in in the rotation. Um, we're gonna over the next few weeks. We're gonna have some people you've heard before who are coming back for for another go. Um, in fact, uh, one one of our listeners, Gazmaz. Um, uh, contacted me uh, just today and said uh, we'll be interested in him coming on again and we'll certainly would do that he was a great guy sure. um, but uh, if there's anybody else out there who fancies having a go um, just let us know we'd love to hear from you and um, we'd definitely like to like to get more people on so um, best best to send an email to feedback at mymac.com um, and that will come through to us and then we can get in touch and talk about when, when we could do it and when we record and that sort of thing and we'd love to have more listeners on the invites Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, talking of listener feedback, this isn't audio feedback, but I think we had um, we had this chap on as a listener invite. We had uh, Marion uh, from Slovakia on as a previous listener invite. Yeah, he uh, had his own uh, Mac store. That's right. Slovakia. Yes, absolutely. Now, um, he he got in touch uh, a while back um, while I was away, um, and he was interested in accessing Hulu from Slovakia. Um, specifically via Boxy. Now, Boxy is um, a very interesting program. It's kind of like a an open source version of Front Row. Um, so you load this on your Mac, and you can get a version that will kind of hack your Apple TV and will load on your Apple TV. Right? Uh, isn't it also? It's also, I think, available for the Xbox and and yeah, the other yeah. There are, and I think they're looking at they've uh, CES recently. They launched their own hardware platform as well. So they're oh, kind of yeah, the weird cube thing. That's right. They kind yeah, of stands on its corner. Yeah. They in fact, I, I might be able to get a, an interview with somebody from Boxy because uh, a member of my. Uh, my wife's family actually works for them out in Israel, so that's something I'll be looking to line up over the next couple of months oh, and nice. find a bit more about it. But um, it's it's quite a nifty program. It's it really is uh, is looking to be kind of the um, uh, a media replacement 
for all the other media programs you will have on your Mac. Uh, and one of its claims to fame is it claims to be able to stream or display virtually any video or audio format. So, um, you know, it's quite quite a nice program. Now, one of the things... Yeah, isn't, that, isn't there just one little problem with it, though? Well, there is. So in the past, it supported Hulu. So you could actually access Hulu files from directly within Boxy. Um, and uh, despite the fact that Hulu is currently an ad-supported platform, uh, and the ads are embedded in the video, so if you watched your Hulu through Boxy, you were still seeing the ads... Hulu kind of took exception to uh, Boxy just accessing them and cut them off. And there's been a little bit of a, of a software arms race between the two ever since, trying to, um, trying to uh, re-enable and then block again access to... Uh, Shades Hulu of Apple Boxy. and Pre. Uh, a little bit like that. Um, it's probably a bit more acrimonious even than that, really, because it, uh, it has kind of gotten a little bit nasty in, uh, over, the, over the past few months. And certainly at the moment, you can't, um, you can't access Hulu particularly well um, through Boxy at all. So um, Marion really was asking how could he go about accessing um, American websites via Boxy uh, and specifically Hulu.com or either via Boxy or, or directly on his browser. He'd had a go at using it and um, had, was struggling. What, what he's been trying to do is use a, a program called Hotspot Shield, which is a uh, effectively it's a, like a free VPN software. So what it does is it sets up an encrypted channel between your computer and, and their well, From so, wherever. Yeah, to, to uh, Anchor Free is the name of the company that... that makes hotspot shield and um they it sets an encrypted connection between your computer and theirs which is in the u.s and then breaks it out on the internet there so it looks like you're in the u.s and in the past that's worked fine but um mary was saying it doesn't work anymore uh either via boxy or, or from within his web browser so he wondered well, they've, whether they've probably they've probably uh, figured out their ip range well this is this I, at the time um, at the time that Marion sent this through to me. I'd not actually tried doing this for a while, um, and so uh, and I was in the states as well at the time. So as soon as I got back here, um, back to the UK, I had a, another go, and and he's absolutely right; it doesn't work anymore. Um, and uh, doing a bit of digging, and it turns out that in fact that's exactly what what Hulu have done. They've identified Anchor Free's IP ranges and blocked them. They've also um, put some uh, geolocation software into their uh, connection. So when you first go to Hulu.com and try and um, connect to a video, they're actually doing some other stuff to try and figure out where you might be. Uh, I presume they're doing this through kind of JavaScript on your... Now, now I, you know, I, I, have to, I have to plead ignorance as far as, as, far as Boxy and, and Hulu goes because you know, I don't yeah. really use those services that much. But if it's coming, you know, I mean, since, since Hulu is already being blocked by Boxy and, and Hulu at the same time as well is, is blocking out non, non-US IP, then how is this going to work for them? Well, this is the problem. You've got to try to find a way around it. Hotspot Shield was a great free solution for a while, but obviously that doesn't appear to be working anymore. Well, just for a second, can you tell me exactly what it was that, you know, what kind of service was Hotspot? Was it, was it like a proxy server? It wasn't a proxy server. It was a full VPN. Effectively, um, let's, let's kind of define these now. So a proxy server means that you, um, a proxy is kind of like a caching server. That's kind of what proxies were originally set up to do. 
So um, if you configure a proxy server, you can configure this either in your browser or actually at the network level of your Mac, then any um, requests that you make over the web will go from you to the proxy server, and then the proxy server will request the pages you want on your behalf. Right, so it's redirecting. Exactly, and then pass those things back to you. And and this has been used to kind of get around firewalls in the past or to um, get over, if you've got a particularly slow network connection, then you can use a proxy to kind of cache information at the far end of a slow network connection. So it's kind of a a useful tool. But what people have been doing is using a a proxy service to actually access sites like Hulu because, again, the because the request comes from the proxy server rather than from your machine, to Hulu it looks like it's coming from a US address. Um, and there are various different ways you can configure uh, proxies on your browser to uh, to actually do that. You can effectively you can Google for lists of free open proxies and then configure those in either in your uh, uh, network settings or alternatively you can use an add-on I, I've, I've used something called foxy proxy for firefox in the past that allows you to have a whole list of different proxies and now, it will are, kind of are cycle there, are there any them. are there any dangers to doing this well there are there are a few i mean obviously you're relying on somebody else's server um you don't know what they're doing to the data as it goes through that server so um for instance you wouldn't really want to connect to an open free proxy and then log on to your bank because (laughs) because the proxy the you know the proxy server can see everything that you're doing uh, and every request you make and so consequently they could kind of scrape all the information out of the request as you did it um obviously from a from the operator of the proxy service perspective, if you uh, if it does work and you get onto Hulu and then you start streaming video, and then fifty other people do the same thing, then they've got a problem because they're sending an awful lot of, of data through their server and then over their pipes. So what tends to happen with these free proxies is uh, a lot of them are run by universities and um, charitable organisations and government departments and this, that, and the other, or businesses who are using them for a particular service, and people find them. Um, what what will happen if they see you know twenty people using Hulu through it is they'll just shut the thing off, uh, and so they can, these things aren't very reliable, and you can find that they can become very congested and don't work so well, and and sometimes they just aren't there, which is why people use tools to actually have a, a kind of a list of different proxies and they try different ones as and when they go they go up and down. Now if, if you're trying to get to Hulu.com and watch a, watch a TV program, that can be quite frustrating because. As the service starts to get busy, then um, what will happen is, is obviously the performance will go down and you'll start getting stuttering on the video. Uh, and you may get, a, I think, halfway through a crucial episode of 24, for instance. And <laughs> Jack, Jack Bauer's, you know, hanging off a cliff on the knife edge. With uh, just and, one finger holding him up. Exactly. And then the picture will freeze and you'll have to spend 10 minutes futzing around trying to find another proxy server before you can find out whether he survives to the end of the day or not. So that is, uh, that's kind of one of the downsides of doing this. Um, so Hotspot Shield was a little bit different. Hotspot Shield was, as its name implies, was designed to be a full encrypted VPN service. So it kind of works the same as a proxy, but the difference is that it runs encryption on both ends of the link so that nobody between your computer and their server can actually intercept the traffic and see what you're doing. So, um, the idea behind the service originally was that you would do that if you were at a Wi-Fi hotspot, so that if you're in Starbucks and you do want to log on to your bank, 
nobody else on the same Starbucks Wi-Fi router as you are can actually see your traffic. That's kind of what a VPN service does. And most businesses operate their own VPN to access, uh, allow access inside their network by their own staff. So using Hotspot VPN, sorry, Hotspot Shield, um, was a good way of, of accessing Hulu because the traffic was fully encrypted from end to end, which meant it couldn't be intercepted. Um, people couldn't see where you were coming from. And it looked again to Hulu like you were coming from from Hotspot Shield servers. Um, because so many people started using it, though, they've kind of shut it down now. And uh, even though Anchor Free have, have taken some different IP addresses uh, to try and overcome this problem, if you log on to Hotspot Shield, you've got no guarantee which IP address you're going to be given. So you or, may find, or if it'll work. Yeah, so you may find that, um, and this is what I found, is that you can use Hotspot Shield and sometimes it will work for Hulu uh, and sometimes it won't. So um, that's a bit of a problem as well. So again, you're in this situation where it, when you start a session, you're not really sure whether it's going to work very well or not. So um, obviously what I wanted to do was try and give Marion some advice and, and obviously our other listeners as well, for those outside the US who want to access these services, um, I wanted to, to give them some concrete advice. So, so effectively what I, what I tried, and, and this kind of worked out for me, uh, with the caveats that these things aren't reliable and may vary from time to time. Right. Um, first of all, what I suggested was to try some other not as well-known alternatives to Hotspot Shield. There are plenty of, um, some are free and some are paid for, VPN services um, that uh, that are available uh, on the internet that you can use that work in the same way to Hotspot Shield. So I've put a, I'll put a link in the show notes to a list of, of probably five or six different ones you can try and obviously the the less well-known ones have have less chance of being um have been uh, blocked by hulu if you want to uh if you want to try and use those the problem with hotspot shield uh, actually is that um if you're running hulu on your mac you have to go and kind of get hotspot shield up and working first and then go into boxy to uh to try and access you know us services uh, as as well, i'm as assuming that box or that hulu hasn't blocked yeah, I mean, Hulu is pretty much, at this point, is a non-starter with Boxy, but there are other, there are other, um, who, uh, Boxy themselves that make available other content. They, they sign deals with other partners um, who are integrated into Boxy. And again, some of those, if they see you outside the US, will say, well, you're not licensed to watch this content, so you can't see it. So there is still well, some... Well, if you do manage to get through on a proxy server, couldn't you just, like, browse it on, on your own, like, browser? Absolutely. Look at it on your own yeah. browser. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. If you want to watch Hulu, then you you can you uh, Hulu dot com has their own application now that you can run, so you can download that and try that. Or you alternatively you can go in through the website and watch it in the browser. So uh, so that's that's one way of doing it. So recommend uh, try alternatives to Hotspot Shield VPN alternatives. You can also try um, using these proxy lists. Uh, Foxy proxy is a nice way of doing it. I've not found an equivalent for Safari, unfortunately. Um, but uh, again, if you just want to watch video, it's worth having just a copy of Firefox on your machine with Foxy Proxy configured. Do a Google for, um, for uh, you know, it normally says free proxy sites or something like that, um, and, um, and and try that and see, see if you can get on that way. Yeah, and, the, and, there's, and there's no reason why you shouldn't have Firefox on your machine anyway. It is no, a nice browser. Absolutely. It's and it, and it'll, it'll go to some sites that uh, Safari won't. Absolutely, and that's that's something that I uh, particularly if you're using 
you know, online uh, kind of account sites or trying to pay for something. Some of them don't work very well with Safari, so it's exactly. always worth having Firefox around, I think. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, now, if you if you do find a proxy that works and you want to use it with Boxy, what you can do is there's actually in the network settings for Boxy, there's a configuration where you can actually put a proxy server in there. So uh, you can only do one at a time. You can't have a list of uh, rotating list of proxies. But if you find a reliable one, um, particularly and if you're if you're outside the US and you have a, a company office in the US for your employer, um, I know that some some people will sometimes uh, connect their uh, business network and then use the um, use the company proxy server to break out to the US that way. Obviously, your IT administrations may have a problem with that if it <laughs> saturates the network. This actually happened to my company. We have um, obviously we're UK based. We have a lot of offices around the world, and we found that our network was slowing down because people were connecting back to the UK so they could get to the BBC iPlayer and watch Doctor Who and that sort of thing over our network. So um, that was something that we had to factor into our. Uh, our network planning, um, because oh, <laughs> uh, it was fe- was felt to be um, impolitic to actually send people out to Abu Dhabi for six months and then not let them watch the BBC. So we weren't allowed to just tell them to stop doing it. Unfortunately, yeah, um, they, well, they had to have their who fix. Exactly. It wasn't just. I think it was strictly come dancing and <laughs> programs <laughs> like that that they were uh, really into. So um, yes, that's that's one alternative. If your IT administrators allow you to do that, and you have uh, offices in the US, that's that's one thing you might want to look at. Um, but I think it's worth saying that all of this is a is a moving target. Oh, yeah. um, there's been some stuff in the press today about Hulu are talking about setting up a paywall uh, and actually not providing free access to all of their content anyway, which would make sense make sense why they would block services like Boxy. If they're looking to set some sort of accounting mechanism up so you need to subscribe to Hulu, they probably wouldn't want third-party services connecting in because that, that would cause a problem. So um, I suspect that's the way they're going, and a lot of these free streaming services will not not be free going forward so bearing in mind the the level of effort involved in trying to do this um you must I've, really like american tv i well i think it's look it's worthwhile looking at the alternatives um really because um there are alternatives you can uh, i mean something i do regularly i have a us itunes account that i fund with gift cards so I can I can watch stuff that's released on the iTunes store in the US anytime I want to. All my Apple TVs in my house are configured that way. So um, if you don't mind paying for stuff, then um, you can get American TV at the same time it's released on, on yeah. the iTunes store. And if you don't like to pay for stuff, well, you know, <laughs> there's torrents. and There are torrents, and, and I know people worry about torrents in that, you know, there's a lot of talk on the net about how the media companies are now watching what, what torrents are going uh, and seeding fake torrents to try and catch people out and then hit them with cease and desist and uh, lawsuits and that sort of thing. The the kind of the BitTorrent industry, if you like, is combating this. They are building stuff into the latest clients that has encryption and works in different ways to make make things uh, harder to track. So I'm I'm kind of a I'm a little bit ambivalent about TV on torrents because in my view. TV programs, if they're available in your country and you just want to watch them in a different form on your computer, your iPod or what have you, in my view, you should be able to do that. Uh, and if you are blocked from doing that, then I'm, I'm personally not too uncomfortable with downloading no. the odd TV show via a torrent. Um, well, I what- mean, for example, I, I'm a huge fan of the of a TV show called The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And they 
had the first season on iTunes, and you know now we're on season three, and seasons two and and so far season three is not available on iTunes. Yeah. So if you want my money, well, you know what, you you got to kind of make the content available in a way that I'm willing to pay for. Absolutely, and um, so yeah, I'm I'm with TV programs. I'm fairly fairly comfortable with that, um, but obviously you don't want to fall foul of somebody's class action lawsuit or something like no. that. So it's kind of a case of be careful out there. And if you are going to use torrents in particular, torrents are very much a focus for the media companies at the moment in terms of looking at what people are doing. So um, just be aware of that and, uh, you know, use whatever technology is available in, in the torrent clients and the torrent services to try and protect, make yourself. protect yourself. Absolutely. And now it's worth saying there are other places on the internet to get um, TV content. Um, there used to be a website, I think it's gone now, called tvrss.net, which basically published RSS feeds of TV shows uh, and then links to uh, commercial file uploading sites where the TV shows were stored and split. Uh, they were basically split into about 10 or 7 chunks, and you could just download each chunk and then recombine them together to get a video file. Right. Um, and you, know, you can do that. Like, if, you ha if you're on a Mac, you can do that in iMovie or you know, actually the older – I don't think you can do it in – in um, QuickTime Pro, or yeah, QuickTime X, but you could do it in QuickTime Seven Pro. Yeah, it's, it's even you, there's no there's no need to reconstruct the file kind of in, a, in an editing program. Effectively, these things are just compressed chunks, like using um, RAR or ZIP or something like that, um, and you just download the, the right number of chunks and then uh, zip them all back together again and then you have a, a, a video file that you can play um, and those files are, are normally available in a variety of different formats all the way up to full HD Blu-ray quality if you want mm, so nice. um, there are groups of guys who basically download these things off satellite channels and, and stick them up on the internet um, and use forums or, or RSS feeds to let people know where they are so they can download them you you normally have to pay for a subscription to the the uh, file uploading site to uh, gain access to the files, but um, it's not a huge amount of money, and then you can get all the TV you want. So that, that's another um, that's another way to to go if you don't want to be um, if you don't want to be dealing with kind of hacking your way to Hulu. Right. Uh, and obviously, any files you download like that are video files. So if you have Boxy, they'll play very nicely in Boxy without any problem. So um, and it probably goes without saying that you should probably have a broadband connection. Oh, absolutely. These are not dial-up files. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, come the standard file size I've seen for TV shows is about 350 megabytes. Um, that's for the smaller shows. And then obviously if you if you go to a Blu-ray file for a, a standard 45-minute um, TV show, they're normally about uh, one one to one and a half gigabytes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you need a fast connection. But let's face it, you're not going to be watching video on the Internet <laughs> unless you have broadband. True. Uh, and, and a good, healthy broadband at that. So, and a lot um, of patience. And on that, it's probably worth mentioning as well. If you are going to go uh, go doing this, just bear in mind whatever um, fair usage cap you have in your broadband connection, because it's really easy with these big files to hit a five gig or a ten gig or a hundred gig cap in a month, um, and then you'll get a nasty email from your ISP saying that you're not one of their friendly users. <laughs> uh, so and, you're going uh, to pay for it. Absolutely. So just bear that in mind as well if you're going to, going to be doing video. Uh, and if you're not comfortable with all of that, there's always, as I said, there's always the iTunes route, which is the the Apple-approved and Apple-licensed and uh, media company licensed way of, of getting video. And so that's I the hope, one we like. 
well, that's yeah, it's interesting. Be interesting <laughs> to see yeah, no, actually. It's... You know how those there's been talk about Apple um, evolving their video services and doing new deals. So it'd be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how that changes. So um, I think we're going to take a very brief break, uh, and we're going to have a, a message from our sponsor, uh, which would be uh, Otherworld Computing. MaxSales.com. Uh, MaxSales.com. And uh, Tim Robertson, our fearless leader, uh, in absentia now, will we'll deliver that to us, and then we'll come back and we're going to talk a bit about uh, our life and our work. Hey, hey, my Mac listeners. This is Tim Robertson, OWC Radio. Hey, it's OWCRadio.com. That's right. We have the URL up and running. Go check it out. It's not going to be just show notes. Eventually, I'm going to be posting all kinds of content there, especially during the Macworld Expo. We're going to take a lot of pictures, a lot of shows, going to have a lot of fun. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. So on Saturday of this week, um, I used to do a lot of consulting, and I don't really do much at all anymore. But there's this one company. It's a credit union. And I still go over to uh, Parchment, that's where they're at, Parchment, Michigan, and help them out. And the only reason I really do that is because the person that works there, she's the lone Mac user in a credit union full of PC users and PC computers. So obviously, she needs help occasionally. One of the problems that they've run into, that she's run into, is they had no backup solution at all. So two weeks ago, they asked me to come out and uh, set them up with a backup solution. And uh, they would just simply, you know, go ahead, Tim, you buy it. Let us know how much it costs. Whatever you think is going to work, um, set up the, the hardware, the software, we'll be happy. So that's exactly what I did. Now, yes, I am working for Otherworld Computing, but I wanted to be impartial. But I still bought a newer technology device because honestly I know it works and I'm the one that's going to have to go out there and service this thing if they ever run into problems. So I wanted to make sure they got something that I knew was going to work. So what I did is I set them up with a guardian Maximus from newer technology. I've got the one terabyte drive. It actually has two one terabyte drives in it. It mirrors itself. In other words, you copy all your information in one drive and then automatically the other drive copies it. It's called a RAID. Now, I could have gone all the way up to two terabytes with this thing, but it's only one computer she's backing up. It's simply cloning it every day, and it's only got a 500-gig hard drive to begin with. So I figured, you know what, uh, one terabyte's just fine. Now, to do the software, we could have gone with um, Time Machine, but it, it it's just not really robust enough for what they wanted, what she wanted in particular. So, of course... Carbon copy cloner. Hey, did you know that's free? I set it up so 4.30 every night, it simply mirrors exactly what her internal hard drive is and makes that, uh, it puts that on the uh, the external. It, it works great. And because her external is mirrored, it's double protection. So she spent about $300, $310 for the uh, Guardian Maximus from newer technology didn't pay a dime for the software, and you can go download the software right now. It's at bombich.com, bombish, and it's called Carbon Copy Cloner, and it works great. Combine that with the Guardian Maximus from newer technology, you've got a awesome backup solution. So thanks a lot for listening. Again, make sure you check us out at maxsales.com, and make sure you 
Well, don't make sure, but I would ask you to check out OWCRadio.com. I just did an interview last week with Dave Hamilton. No big interview scheduled this week because, like everybody else here on the MyMac Show, I'm sitting here waiting to find out what Apple releases this Wednesday. So check it out, and uh, catch you on the phone. And we're back. Thank you very much for that message, Tim. And so now we're going to talk about iLife and iWork. This is something we've been to want to talk about for some time, isn't it, Guy? Yeah, and we, you know, we keep getting lost in, in <laughs> lost, lost in translation, trying to get to it. Well, what brings the focus to it is the, uh, as as we all know, there is there is a confirmed now Apple event on the twenty seventh of January, uh, and uh, rumors going around in the last few days have been that, as well as unveiling some magical new piece of hardware. Um, part of that announcement will be uh, an update to the iLife suite. Now, we're in January, and traditionally iLife was always updated at some time in January, normally yeah, as, at, at Macworld. As, at Macworld. So uh, the timing would seem to be right, but I don't know, I kind of get the impression that iLife is something that kind of has slipped down the radar in the last 12 months. I don't know about, about how you feel about that guy. Um, I, I I don't think so. I think that uh, with you know the, the the new magic toy coming out, whatever that's going to be, that that iLife and, and especially um, possibly iWork as well is is going to be front and center. That uh, you know one of the, they they can't just release whatever this is going to be and have it be okay. Well, here is your you know your magic tablet, and you can watch all of the stuff that you already own, own through iTunes on it and that's all it does. Or, you know, throw in a couple of, uh, of reconfigured iPhone, iPod Touch games and, and that's it. I think there has to be more to it. And one of the things that, that I, I think is going to be announced along with iLife and iWork is going to be mobile versions of some of the apps that are in both of these programs. Uh, specifically, uh, not so much uh, iDVD, or GarageBand, or even possibly iMovie, but um, I think that uh, what is it? I, iWeb. There, there, there might be a like a mobile version of iWeb, right. mo- mobile version of uh, well, obviously iTunes, um, mobile versions of Pages and Keynote and yeah. uh, 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 Numbers. Right. For, so you know, basically. Since you can save Microsoft Office native versions through all three of those programs of you know their Microsoft Office uh, counterparts, that this gives you kind of a you know a, a computer you slip in your pocket. And but I don't think that whatever the interface is going to be is going to be anything like uh, OS OS ten. It's going yeah. to be. I think it's going to be more like the iPhone interface, where you're dealing mostly with one app at a time, but you know, make it so that it's very easy to slip around to the various pieces that you want to work with. Yeah, yeah, that would kind of make sense, and certainly, you know, the convenience technology of having cloud syncing um, makes a lot of sense for files. I mean, we use the Dropbox application to, you know, kind of run the show and do the show notes and everything, and. 
that is completely seamless. You change a file and it just automatically replicates via the cloud to wherever else you need it to be. Yeah. Um, something like that makes a lot of sense for a, um, a cut-down computing device that may not have a huge amount of storage um, and doesn't need to have a huge amount of storage because no. it has always-on connectivity. Right. And, um, and keep in mind as well that you know these won't be – full-fledged versions of pages or keynote they'll be they'll, they'll be watered down versions you know the the basics what you need yeah. to do or you know the the pieces that you need to get your job done i mean it's interesting that i don't see uh, obviously we've not seen any hardware yet but everyone is no. expecting kind of a 10 inch slab um without a physical keyboard no, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I don't no. think it will have a physical keyboard. No. Though I, I think probably within six months after product launch that, you know, because I, I think that this this particular device will have Bluetooth. So yeah. that being said that, you know, there'll be Bluetooth keyboards, Bluetooth um, trackpads or if, yeah, ice if, or, if, or whatever yeah, it, it is you may want. If Apple puts the support in the Bluetooth stack for that, they've never done that for the iPhone. Well, the um, iPhone doesn't really lend itself well to that. Well, it, yeah, but it, if you had a Bluetooth keyboard for it, it would do. I mean, you, it's a it, the screen is big enough to to certainly be able to enter text, and you could do that potentially on the iPhone. I bet something like a a ten inch screen would be much better. But really, the point I was trying to get to was um, I don't see. It's kind of discounting that for the moment. If, if the thing uh, ships with just a virtual keyboard, I don't see that being great for a large amount of text entry. I think it'll be fine for email, it'll be fine for blog posts and that sort of thing, but w what you won't want to do is sit down and write a full keynote presentation or a long Word document on this device because not having a proper keyboard, just hitting a, a piece of glass, um, no matter what they do with haptic feedback where it vibrates or whatever, um, you can't get away from the fact that's just not as natural as using a proper keyboard. So I don't see the the um, um, device as being something that's primarily going to be about being the first point of generation of content. I think where it would shine would be uh, second uh, second draft. So if you have a file that you've created on your Mac, um, you know, an essay or something like that, and then you right. want to do some markup, maybe add some notes. Um, kind of highlight things and change things, move things around a little bit and make some gen general changes to it, then that's the kind of thing where um, this sort of device would be much right. better. And you, you have all these things saved up to mobile me. So as long as you have a, 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 a decent either internet or Wi-Fi connection, I'm sorry, not internet, um, uh, 3G. 3G. Yeah, yeah, if you have a 3G connection or a Wi-Fi connection, you can get to mobile me and get, and get to you know whatever documents it is you want to yeah. work with. Now, now here's an idea though. If you, why if if you're going to do something like that, why restrict it just to um, kind of business files, to working files? Why not do the same with audio and video? Um, and kind of what I what I envisage here is something kind of like a merging of mobile me and iTunes. So you'd have an area of iTunes that's kind of your iTunes, and that's where you um, kind of tag your content off your machine as being available to your um, Slate device. Um, and effectively, it's then streamable over the over the net connection from Apple's servers. They've got that big data center they've... Uh, yeah, building in North Carolina, exactly. 400,000 square feet, exactly. and they have yet to say what that's for. So what you could do is uh, part of your MobileMe account will be to um, 
kind of tag uh, some video files or stuff you buy off the iTunes store, and rather than it downloading and being stored in the local storage on your device, it actually goes into your cloud account in MobileMe, and then you just stream it to the device. Yeah, that would work. Now, some of the other rumors involved um, Disney, uh, ABC, CBS, HBO, you know, other video content creation and owners. And, you know, one of the things that I had heard was that Apple may be putting together some kind of subscription service that would be similar to almost like a, a cable service, except it's all done over the cloud. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Um if they can cut the deals. It's all about the business yeah. behind the deals. Well, sure. Um, and I guess everyone's jockeying for position and trying to understand exactly how their business model is, is affected by this and whether it's going to work for them or not. I've, the problem Apple has with all of this is, of course, that everyone looks at the music industry and the perception is that Apple kind of saved the music industry by killing it. <laughs> You well, know, they kind it, of it, it deserved it deserved to be killed. You know, they, absolutely, they, absolutely. they really didn't have a clue as far as as digital content goes, and they left themselves open for the kind of of you know download. You know, we were talking about torrents earlier. You know, people once it was possible and relatively easy to start downloading music, which are relatively small files. Well. Okay, they you know they they started doing it in droves, and yeah. you you had you had services like Napster and and uh, you know we'll throw one out there LimeWire that that just made it super easy to get all this stuff, and so you know the music industry instead of doing the smart thing, which which would have been to go to Apple or Amazon or some of these other companies much sooner than they did, decided to try to fight it in court, and they and they yeah. got and they got their butts handed to them. Yeah, but I think um, I think all of those lessons haven't necessarily been learned, and so there will be organisations out there who are will be we'll be trying to go along with Apple and and ride the wave of of Apple's uh, you know hardware hype, while at the same time hoping that they can preserve their prehistoric business model in some way, it, it shape or form going yeah. forward. Well, I, I I agree with you, and I think. Yeah, I think the more enlightened approach is is kind of embrace the beast and say, well, we understand that things are going to be different, but let's get in bed with these guys and and cut the best deal we can and and kind of you know go at it gangbusters and and make it on the volume. Well, you look at you look at the success that Amazon has been having with with the Kindle, and you know that you know there's various ways of getting either eBooks or or audio books. And you know they're they're doing very very well. So Apple yeah. is also you know supposed to be in talks with some of the other publishers for books, newspapers, and magazines. And this is this is more of the types of content that we may see. And you know I mean this is all rumors at this point on whatever this this magic device is that's going to be coming up next Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. Just to bring it back to uh, iLife and iWork. Okay. Um, what's What's your perception of the health of the iLife suite now? I mean, there was a lot of a lot of fuss with the last version because of what they did with iMovie. Um, you know, they dumbed it down effectively, and uh, you know, I've used I've used both versions. I've used iLife i iMovie 06 to uh, generate video, uh, and I was very comfortable with that, even though I'd not done a lot of video editing before. And I must admit, I, having used uh, iLife iLife 09 and iMovie 09. Um, I could see where Apple were coming from. It is kind of intuitive if you've never done it before. Yeah. 
Um, but at the same time, the problem with it I always found was that it was great for the basics. It's very intuitive for the basics, you know, lining the clips up in the right order, making the transitions between them and everything. As soon as you want to scratch below the surface of that and yeah, do something that's exactly. not vanilla, it, it's kind of you're staring at it going, yeah, how it fall, do I it do falls this? Apart. How, it, you know. if, you're, if you're trying to edit individual clips, you're, you want to take off the first 10 seconds or, or, the, or the last 45 seconds of some video clip, it's, it's not that easy and it's not that precise. You end up having to kind of expand out the, the individual clip using the, you know, the, the time, the little time jogger that's down there in the yeah. bottom and, and trying to get to that one last little bit. And it's not easy. Um, iLife 06, I'm sorry, iMovie 06, it was, it was much easier, in my opinion, to do some of that simple editing because you had, you had a whole timeline right there that was, you know, the, the length of however big your box was for iMovie. Well, a lot of that has been, you know, changed around between, uh, iLife, uh, 08 and iLife 09 with iMovie. And it, it's not the same. A lot of the plugins that were available for iMovie 06, just it, it's just not there. Yeah. So in trying to do some of the, the fancy tricks that you could do with iMovie 06, you just cannot do with 08 or, or 09. Now, one, one program I've found that I'm kind of testing right now is called Pulp Motion, which is, uh, I think it's from Aqua, Aquafatas. Yeah, Aquafatas.com has a program called Pulp Motion and Pulp Motion Advanced. And it, it kind of takes some of the features of iMovie 06 and some of the features of iMovie 09 and, and actually some of the features of something like Final Cut Express, especially when you're talking about trying to, to edit individual clips. Um, it, it's an interesting program. I haven't had a chance to, to really get into it too much. It uses a lot of templates, which of course, you know, makes me think of, of the iLife suite, but I, I'm, I'm really interested in getting a little bit deeper into it. I'm hoping to be able to, to do a video review on it before we leave for Macworld. Right. Okay. Well, that'd be interesting. Definitely. Um, here's what I hope we see in iLife, iLife 10. I hope they don't adopt the iMovie 0809 model to the, some of the other applications. I'd really hate it if they took GarageBand in that direction. Um, you know, what I'd like to see, the best of both worlds, ideally, you know, have the, have the Noddy interface for people who've never done this before. Have something that's completely intuitive and um, to people who've never edited video or edited audio before, but still keep the power, still keep the original interface kind of there in the background and have a big button up in the corner that's like the pro button. You know, click this if you know what you're doing, and then kind of all the power comes back. No, Rather that's than stripping that's, it that's, away. that's more complicated than what Apple likes to do with a lot of these. Uh, well, that's I, the think, worry. I, I think GarageBand is safe. Um, the 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 basic editing, you know, the way you edit audio in GarageBand is very similar to uh, a pro program they have called Soundtrack. Yeah. So I I don't think that they're going to to mess around too much with that. One program that, that I'd really like to see them have another look at and, and work a little bit more on is iWeb. One of my biggest complaints about iWeb through all three versions of it is that there is no way to easily create kind of a, a set page. Like it, you, you have a website and say you have five or six pages and you want the basic design of that page to look the same on all six of these or, you know, all five or six of these pages. Yeah. 
Well, unless you're using Apple's templates, you can't. Yeah. You know, I, I created a site, oh, God, uh, a couple of years ago. I, have, I haven't done much with it in a long time. It's MacParrot.com. And in order to have the basic look of the site remain the same and not look like just another iWeb site was a lot of work. So I'm, I'm hoping that one of the things that they'll do with iWeb is, is make it easier to either create your own templates or be able to say, okay, well, here's a page that I want and I want this page to, to kind of be the theme for the rest of the site. Yeah, that, that one makes sense. But I, you know what? Well, I could see iWeb disappearing and going completely on, up into the cloud. You know, bear in mind what we were saying previously about, about the tablet type device and right. having cut down versions of the applications if you've ever used anything like squarespace yeah where, i was i was about to yeah i was about to say yeah. squarespace kind of does that squarespace does that and it does it all on the server and you do it all through a browser and that sort of interface would make sense for a tablet so um perhaps one thing that apple could look to do is actually take programs like that and do them all at the server end yeah um, it would have to be very very much template template yeah based. You, yeah they you would... couldn't have too much um whoa uh, i'm having a, a brain meltdown here uh too much customization you know beyond what it is that the program offers if it was if it was browser based well i i i'm not familiar with i've never actually used squarespace but my understanding from the incessant advertising on all the all the big podcasts is that yeah. in fact that's exactly what you can do you can make it look as much as you want but by it's basically all widget based yeah so uh, but you can you know it's very configurable um be interesting to see i mean maybe maybe that that will be kind of a step too far and let's face it um, the last time they made major changes to the mobile me, it wasn't a spectacular success. They had an awful <laughs> lot of teething problems. Yes. So there could be um, an element of them not wanting to do that um, and not get themselves into that into that position again. But by the same token, I think mobile me has become increasingly un- uncompetitive. I mean, it's been on the way down for a long time. Um, and it's it, still very it's, expensive. It's still very expensive for what you get. And I think... Um, they certainly need to put some real value in there if they want people to keep paying that sort of subscription money. So be interesting to see. I guess we'll we'll find out next week. Yep. Okay. Well, um, that should be interesting. I mean, I, I must admit, it's uh, there's been so much since since they confirmed the announcement. There's so much speculation. Oh, um, I'm I'm I just want it to be over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. People kind of gorging themselves on yeah. the speculation. Even the Wall Street Journal's at it as well. Um, yeah, I, I kind of do and I kind of don't really. Um, you know, speculation is it's fun to read. It's fun to kind of consider everything that people put forward and say, you know, see see that it's fits your view of the world, absolutely. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion now that uh, I really want to see what it is. And, and f- for me, I'm, I'm now in a position, it's not so much what it is and what it does because I'm sure that will be quite impressive. I don't believe that they would have kind of held this device back and allowed all this hype to build if it wasn't going to be something they thought was going to change the game. What I'm really interested okay, in is how much... Okay, two words. <laughs> iPod Hi-Fi. Not, not everything Apple makes is, is a hit out of the park. I, I agree completely with you, but I, I think that this one's had some very, very um, close loving attention from Mr. Jobs. Oh, I don't... oh no doubt. I, I, I wasn't saying that, that this was going to be, you know, similar in scope to, you know, how kind of lame the 
the iPod Hi-Fi was. I'm expecting this to be to be really spectacular. I th- I think that Apple certainly thinks they're going to change the game. I mean, it remains to be seen whether whether they actually do or not, but they certainly think they're going to. What I'm interested to see is how much it costs. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that that is the key thing, really. And I think if it's up around about the $1,000 mark, that's a bit more of a problem. Yeah, than, and than will it be subsidized? Exactly. Well, but even if it's subsidized, I mean, subsidy is a con. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you save a couple. For it. Yeah, you save a few hundred dollars at the start, but you pay much more over the life of the contract. Uh, and um, subsidy doesn't actually really. You're actually better off if you sit down and do the financials, actually buying the thing unlocked at the start. And not right. Well, the that's, you're assuming you're assuming that that this device will be unlocked, and I don't yeah. I don't think it will be. Yeah, but even even if it's even if it's available on a pay-as-you-go basis, I mean the the iPhone 3GS is you can buy it on that basis, and it actually makes better better financial sense in the UK to buy it like that than it does to buy it under contract. So um, because because you have flexibility then in terms of how you use it. Be interesting to see, and uh, everything will be answered next week. Yep. So, um, just to let kind of let it, let the listeners know, what we're going to do is we're going to do a regular show next week. We've got a listener invite with uh, Jim Felder, who's been on with us before. In fact, he was our very first listener invite, um, and that's going to be kind of a, a photography related show because Jim is a is a professional photographer, uh, and. Um, so that's going to be a regular show, but also released in the feed probably around about the same time will be uh, a, an extra show from us where we talk uh, the specifics of the Apple event and our reaction to them. So you can expect to see two shows from us next week rather than one. Um, I hope you enjoy that, and I hope you enjoy our uh, our commentary and our, our um you know, feedback on, on what we think about the Apple event. If you if you have anything that you want to get to us in the meantime, um, please drop us an email. Feedback at mymac.com is the best way to do that. Um, and you can uh, find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm David B. Cohen on Twitter. I'm Mac Parrot on Twitter. And um, just a reminder again, we'll, we'll hope to see plenty of you at Mac World Expo. Uh, and we'll uh, we need, one thing we need to do, guys, figure out a way to let people know where we are during the show, so that if we do have listeners who are kind of at the show but not there on the first day or on the day before, um, they kind of know where roughly where to find us and, and how to track us down. Maybe we'll have to do kind of uh, do a meet up sort of on a daily basis. Let's we'll have, have a think about that. I mean, we'll have our badges on, so if people see us milling around, then please stop us and talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this week. So uh, thanks very much, everybody, and we'll, we'll see you on the other side of the Apple event. And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send off feedback to podcast at MyMac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, My Photo Tech Podcast, Your Own Victory Garden, and Sam's Cool Picks. All available in iTunes.